when the Saul returned from Saul, David is in the wilderness of Judah. And Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel, and would seek David and his men in front of the wild ghost rocks. And he came to the sheepfold by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in for his relief himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord has said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do the same to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and not permit them to attack Saul. Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. David, or Saul's information network kicks, kicks in again, and he finds out where the David's in the En Gedi wilderness. So he takes 3,000 men. He's seeking David. Where, where are David and his men? They're in a cave. Now, they're deep in the cave. I think I'm right about this. I know a lot about caves. But it, it seems to me like it would be much easier to see people if you're deeper in the cave, seeing people coming in, in the light of the light that's coming in, rather than as you're going into the cave with the light behind you trying to see deeper into the cave. So apparently David and his men are able to see that Saul has come in, but he doesn't even realize that they're in there. You know, he got that close to them without even knowing that it was them. And uh, it appears that perhaps Saul is taking care of some personal necessities there in the cave. And David's men sense their chance. This is their opportunity. And look at what they say in verse 4. Behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I'm about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. So they're saying, you know, hey, this is the time that the Lord told you to go ahead and do what you want to to it. And this seems to kind of uh, motivate David to go up and instead of killing David, he cuts off a piece of his robe. And then, how does David feel? Yeah, he feels guilty. Cut off a part of his robe. It's kind of funny in a way because... Uh, if Saul had had the opportunity, what might he have done to David? Kind <laughs> of cut off something a little more uh, substantial than his, the part of his robe. And uh, maybe like his head or something. <laughs> but David respects the fact that Saul is God's anointed. God made Saul king. And the truth is, God has not authorized Saul to, or David to kill Saul. He's not authorized David to end that kingship. That's God's department, not David's. I really think the men here may well have invented the oracle from God that they claimed God had said. It doesn't look to me like that's something God had really said. So they, they kind of say, this is God giving him into your hand when that wasn't true either. Kind of reminds you of the inverse of what Saul himself had said about David when he was in Keilah. And so David David realizes this was not the right thing to do. He is not going to take providence into his own hands. Now, 
You know, that's a very encouraging thing. Uh, that David, he wants to do what's right, not what the circumstances make it convenient for him to do. He respects God's will. You have to really be careful about drawing conclusions from the circumstances. Well, this happened, this happened, this happened, and I really think God's want me, God wants me to do this. Well, how do you know? Well, all these things lined up. Well, that's usually subject to our interpretation of kind of what we want the Lord's will to be. Yeah, it did kind of line up here. I mean, Saul's there in the cave. You're close enough to kill him, and he's not going to know it. I mean, you could see that. You know, if, you, if you're going to try to judge God's will by, by the, the events that happen, well, you could, you could justify that. But God has not told David to kill Saul. Saul is God's anointed. You know, we may think of something as even like an answer to prayer when it's really just what we want, you know. And, and so we really have to be careful that we are truly seeking the Lord's will. The long way is often the better way because there's no regrets. Yes, it's going to take longer if David trusts in the Lord and does not act without God's authority. But it's the right thing to do. He is that concerned about doing the will of God. It's a good thing when your conscience bothers you, even when you do small things that aren't right. So I think this is very overall encouraging that David ultimately resists the pressure to kill the David. I'm confused, I'm sorry. That David ultimately resisted the pressure to kill Saul, and that he even feels guilty about cutting off a piece of his robe. Comments and thoughts. Yes, John. Well, he not only stays true to his own convictions, but it seems like he persuades his friends, influences his friends to do what was right as well. Yes, good point. Yeah, he's able to perhaps carry them with him in this concept. Chris? Uh, the idea of the conscious is always maybe controversial, but if it's trained properly, it is a good thing to pay attention to. Absolutely. It's kind of following what you what you feel or what, what what's in your... I don't know, your training, I guess. I don't know how else to say that. But. Right. It's a blessing that we have the ability to feel guilty because that is when we do what we believe is wrong and it ought to bother us. And it's pointed out that it's a problem when your conscience has been seared. Absolutely, or hardened or whatever because then it doesn't function properly and ceases to help you want to do the right thing. Yeah. Steve. Is there any connection between this? It seems like there's a lot of symbolism of the robe tearing. Because earlier when Samuel you know, got the bit of his robe, you know, you torn the kingdom from you or whatever, and now he cuts the corner of his robe off. It, it, there may be, but I haven't thought about it. Somebody else might have thought about it before. Do you have an idea? I'm not sure. Just like that, the, the kingdom is passing to David. So. One person at a time. It's interesting that when people are constantly pursuing us and hurting us, our hearts tend to get hardened to that person. To the point that we, we automatically treat them bad um, is incredible. I, I mean, to me, and I think, I mean, I don't even know how you get to this point where he is being hurt constantly by soul over and over again, spears thrown at him, and he cuts a piece of the rope and he feels bad about 
doing that. And I think, man, may God help us to just have that kind of conscience and, and just be so God-centered that when we hurt people back, even even the minor things, uh, will hurt our conscience and, and make us change our minds. Exactly. Saul had no problem killing the priests. You know, not exactly a complete parallel between the anointed and, and, and the priests, but they were priests chosen by God. Saul had no problem doing that, and yet uh, uh, David here is more justified to do so than, than Saul. Yet has his conscience was turned off. Shows you a pretty strong contrast, doesn't it? Yeah, Clint. What's the passage that states that he was not that Well, I don't know. If, is there a passage that directly states that? I don't think so. It's just the idea of God anointed Saul as king. So whose king is he? You know, who gave David the right to take out the one God anointed to be king? I think it's more that idea that he has no right since God anointed Saul as king to do anything about it. Unless God, of course, told him to. But for him to take matters into his own hands is like interfering with the one God chose to be king. Okay. Well, um, so David feels guilty. Let's see how that goes. 8 to 15. David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, my lord the king. And Saul looked behind him. David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have, you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands. <coughs> Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lift my hand against my master, because he is the Lord's Lord. See, my father, the this piece of robe I have in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. Now understand and recognize that I am not guilty of wronging your own I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between me and you, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. By my hand, but by my hand he will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. Against whom has the king of Israel come out? Whom are you pursuing? A dead dog? A flea? May the Lord be our judge and decide between us. May he consider my cause and uphold it. May he vindicate the, me by delivering me from your hand. It's the longest quote. Uh, recorded uh, of David in 1 Samuel, and Saul's response will be the longest quote recorded of his in 1 Samuel. But David basically says, I had the chance, and I didn't take advantage of it. You know, if, if, if David had actually been plotting to ambush Saul, why wouldn't he have uh, taken advantage of this golden opportunity? You know, clearly... David is not out to do what Saul kept thinking and hearing that he was out to do. Um, you know, as David said rather comically in verse 14, who are you pursuing anyway? A dead dog, a single fleet? Who am I that you're taking the whole royal army away from fighting the national enemies to try to track me down and kill me? You know, I'm a nobody and, and certainly no threat. To Saul. I think that's clear at this point. And that, you, you wonder, even before you read Saul's response, what that would make you feel if you were Saul. Comments and thoughts on what David said. <coughs> I have a question. Um, 
is the longest quote by David in Samuel or in the Bible? In First Samuel, I believe. Yes, uh, I think I'm just kind of in awe at the simplicity of what David has to say. Um, and I can, I mean, obviously we don't know how good of an orator David was, but at this point I think, you know, it really kind of shines through um, what he's trying to get across. Yes. And, and that's, that's shown, you know, in his dedication to the Lord, his dedication to the person of the Lord has put in this position. Um, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't hold up a piece of the robe and say, look what I got. He's not trying to build himself up. He's trying to show look, the Lord's placed us where we are. He's put me here, and he's put you where you are. And I, you know, he, he's very, very. It's very, very. Good point. Just right along with that, how powerful verse twelve is when he says, "May the Lord <coughs> judge between me and you." He, he's basically saying, you know, I haven't done wrong, and this is this is in God's hands. And it's just such a powerful statement to towards him. Good point. Josh? I was just thinking about the contrast between uh, David's attitude with Saul being the anointed and not killing him, and the contrast being there with the priest. Wouldn't David be considered anointed as well? So he should technically have like a stalemate here. <laughs> I'll buy that. Yeah. Neither should kill the other. Although I, maybe Saul, he knows David's going to be king. I don't know if he knows he's been anointed, but uh, Alex? Uh, I see an interesting um, implication for our lives. I mean, we see that David very clearly had a motive to hold a grudge against Saul, to be against him and to have his hand against him. But we see that he didn't. And he says, I'm going to leave it up to the king. I'm going to leave it up to the Lord. And, you know, that's something we really should do as well because it's very easy for us to hold grudges against those who have wronged us. But it's very hard, as David did, to let it go and say, you know what, I, I have no problem with you. If God has a problem with you, then you need to take that up with you. It's not up to us to seek our own revenge. That's exactly right. And we could see that clearly here. Uh, yes. David's whole attitude here, I think, is really incredible. We saw Saul, who was really paranoid. Everyone's out to get me. Nobody's on my side. Nobody likes me. Well, if anybody had a right <laughs> yes. to say that, it would be David. His parents are in Moab hiding out. He's living in caves. He's got, you know, worthless people following him, whatever, whatever. <laughs> and, um, he, you know, he doesn't seem to have any of the self-pitying, oh, woe is me kind of attitude that, you know, we tend to have for much lesser things. Great point. Yes. Right. Um, David really put himself at a lot of risk here, stepping out and talking to Saul like this. In some ways, you're right. I mean, you know, Saul wanted to call the army in to sick him. Uh, that might have been a problem. <laughs> Cameron. Um, unless I'm mistaken here, but he thought that cutting off the edge of his garment was wrong, right? Yes. And then he doesn't bring it up as being wrong in the um, when he was telling Saul about it, in fact, in verse 11, he says, and I have not sinned against you. What? Well, I think he's just saying to Saul, look, I could have killed you. Look at what I did. And clearly, I'm not out to get you. I mean, he, he's showing him that he cut off a part of his robe. But the point for Saul in that is, well, if he could cut off a part of his robe, <laughs> he could have cut off his neck. But was it wrong for him to cut off the part of his robe? Perhaps. Perhaps he shouldn't have done that. But then he went ahead and said in verse 11 that he has not sinned. And when it, if it was wrong, it would be a sin, wouldn't it? 
Well, I think that's probably not the kind of thing he's thinking about here or talking about. I mean, uh, while, while his, it's amazing his conscience bothers him for even cutting off a part of the robe, the point is, look at what he could have done and he didn't. I think that's what he's really trying to focus on. Like, in verse 11, he says, not my father's city. I mean, I know that that's shown uh, some other times, but nobody is someone who has a real close relationship with someone. Is this just kind of like a respectful thing? Because, I mean, they weren't very close. I mean, never. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great line there. <laughs> no, they weren't. But he is his father-in-law, and he does speak with respect. Okay. Yeah, good point. <laughs> kind of funny to say that. Mark. It's really uh, interesting to see just the righteousness of Greek God in his middle capacity This idea of the Saul having his garment cut by David and Samuel was trying to leave the parallel there. And I wonder, you know, I'll call the way back to where he was going Maybe that would be the answer to Stephen's question. That, that's a good good thought. Well stated. All right, well, let's hear what Saul says back, 16 to 22. When David finished saying this, Saul asked, Is that your voice, David, my son? And he wept aloud. You are more righteous than I, he said. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. You have just now told me of the good you did to me. The Lord delivered me into your hands, but you did not kill me. When a man finds his enemy, does he let him does he let him get away unharmed? May the Lord reward you well for the way you treated me today. I know that you will surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will not cut off my descendants or wipe out my name from my father's family. So David gave his oath to Saul. Then Saul returned home. But David and his men went up to the stronghold. Well, at least temporarily, David's behavior seems to soften Saul's heart. He recognizes that David is more righteous than he is, that he's done good to him today. He recognizes that he'll be king, the kingdom will be established in his hand, and asks for mercy not to cut his descendants off. Uh, this is not going to be a permanent change in Saul. I don't think we'd expect that at this point. He's gone back and forth so much, but at least this generosity and kindness, almost unreasonable kindness on David's part towards Saul, really has an impact on Saul at this moment. And uh, he's, he's really uh, amazed by what he sees in David. It really is amazing. This really shows you that David is a man of God, because it, without God's help, it's hard to imagine David could have uh, <laughs> exercised this kind of uh, you know, uh, long-suffering and mercy for him. Comments and questions? Roger. I think like David paying him back good uh, or evil, uh, it showed David's innocence, but it also like pricked 
uh, soul of his sin. I think that's the power of being God and the power of paying back somebody good for evil. I mean, that's not the intention that we do it with. But we show ourselves to be innocent in everything. And obviously, they show themselves uh, to be sinful and maybe lead them to change. I think a lot of times, like the way we react to the way we react to people that are hurting us is with evil or trying to, you know, defend ourselves, and that doesn't accomplish anything. Instead, we need to behave like David behaved, like Jesus behaved, and in that way, really, like you said, soften their hearts to them. Yeah. Sometimes we would think that would be sort of caving into them, but really it softens their heart. That's exactly right. It's interesting how that works. Other thoughts? <coughs> Josh? Is this, this uh, covenant or promise or whatever he makes with Saul, would that basically overlap with Jonathan's promise not to cut Jonathan out? He kind of already made that promise, right? Sure. Yeah, although there are other sons Saul has besides John. Yeah. About 2 Samuel 21, where this weird, the whole weird giving that thing, and they want seven of Saul's sons to be killed and to get hung. Well, I mean, he's just carrying out the will of God. He's not doing that on his own. All right, good comments and questions, and uh, good discussion today. I, we've had a long day. I think this is probably a uh, good place to uh, end. But it is encouraging that you've uh, been eager for this, and I appreciate that. We will start again in the morning at 10 o'clock and go about 10 to 4. Uh, we'll at least be done by 4. And uh, so uh, I don't know that I need to say a whole lot of other things. Uh, most of you know where you're going.